Hi, welcome to Chat with Sunlight. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we will explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-based, Christ-centered education. Join us for everything you might be interested in, for organizing your homeschool, connecting with others, and details on literature-based learning, and maybe a few sneak peeks. Hi, welcome to Chat with Sunlight. Today, I invited Amy Buckmeyer to come and join me and talk to us about homeschooling and HSLDA and maybe her path on becoming a lawyer with HSLDA. Amy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. We use Sunlight growing up. I was homeschooled kindergarten through senior year, and I just love Sunlight curriculum. So what brought you to being a lawyer? Yes. So according to Family Legend, when I was six, I walked into the kitchen and announced to my mom that I wanted to be a lawyer. And we didn't really know any lawyers. It wasn't in our family. So my mom said, do you know what lawyers do? And I said, no, but I'm going to be one. And she went, okay. And so growing up, actually, the only kind of idea of lawyers I had besides courtroom drama lawyers were the Homeschool Legal Defense Association lawyers, because I knew that if we ever got in trouble, uh, my mom had the number on the fridge, we could call it. They would yeah, I guess guess out of trouble. I didn't know further than that. But that was my impression of lawyers. I never thought I would actually be one of those lawyers. To me, that was way too far out. Constitutional law was the sort of thing that exciting old retired lawyers got to do. And I was going to go to law school and figure out what I got to do in the meantime until I became an old person and could practice homeschool law or constitutional law or the fun stuff. So obviously, Amy is not like the Perry, Ma us old folks, the Perry Masons of the black and white where... They, they sit around and they know all the things. Amy is very vibrant and energetic and so much fun to talk to. I met with her recently in the Mache conference up in Minnesota. And if I remember, that's kind of a stomping ground general area for you guys, somewhere yeah. in that tri-state wonderful area. Um, when you work with HSLDA, let me go back. She talks about her mom with the number on the refrigerator. Um, I was just telling her, when we lived up in Kentucky, I had to call HSLDA. So as a homeschool mom, yes, they come to action. It was kind of like make a phone call, tattle on the school board. Oh, and then the school board rescinded what they were doing. And it was great. And I didn't have to do anything else. So yes, call HSLDA, join HSLDA, because it's a wonderful organization. Amy, one other thing we were saying is when we talk to new homeschool moms, I personally always say, Look up your state laws in HSLDA. What does HSLDA provide for mamas? Or yes. families, I should say. HSLDA stands for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And we're a membership association with a heartbeat just to make homeschooling possible to homeschool families. And so we do that through caring support just about every stage of the homeschool family journey, whether that's your initial filing and legal questions, uh, your annual filing as you go, what do I need to do now that I'm hitting high school? Are there other requirements? Are there requirements legally if I'm homeschooling a special needs child or, you know, whatever kind of legal question you have related to homeschooling, that's our sweet spot. We can help work you through that. Uh, we provide legal defense if your homeschool is ever challenged, especially if it's a school official coming in, uh, if there's questions about the legality of your homeschool program. Uh, we also have personalized uh, education consulting. We have homeschooling moms who can help navigate if you have a child with dyslexia or dysgraphia, or again, you're just trying to tackle homeschooling uh, through high school, or whatever that might be. And then we just have practical resources and even uh, hardship grants for those who are homeschooling when financial difficulty. So lots of different facets to what we do, but primarily we're known as being the legal association 
uh, that you can look to and figure out what your state homeschool laws are. Our website has just an abundance of resources that are free. You can check it out. It's hslda.org. And it's just a great place to go and get started on what do I even need to file? So so that that's the nuts and bolts. That's the, the big block of HSLDA, correct? Yes, the big um, picture. <laughs> that's the overall big picture. Um, if you're not using them, you should at least look into them. You have questions about state laws, go to HSLDA. They are our expert. Unless you are a constitutional law expert who specializes in homeschool on your own. And then I suggest you go talk to HSLDA and get a job. So, <laughs> so do you guys cover all 50 United States? All 50 states and territories. And we have an international team that can help you figure out if you can homeschool internationally. So yes, I have about 10-ish states that I personally cover. And we have a great team just overall that covers all states. We're monitoring their legislation. We're watching like school boards, districts, trends, that type of thing. Uh, but primarily, we're advocating for homeschool freedom in each state. If you had an issue, you just call the 1-800 number or whatever number is on the website, correct? So you'll be directed to our reception. It's always a live person answering unless it's after hours. And they'll get you to your right legal team and they can figure out, is this uh, you know, something that's an easy solution that's like paperwork? We just write a letter, correct it. Is this something our litigation team's looking at? Is this something uh, you know we're here for looking at all those different facets of what can come up? Parent. Now I'm going to switch on you. So you, at six, said you wanted to be a lawyer. You grew up knowing about HSLDA. At what point, tell us about your journey. So you graduated from a Sunlight graduate. Let me ask, did you have any problems getting into college? I did not. I applied to six schools, no problems, lots of scholarships. I ended up going to Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee, which okay. was a private Christian conservative school. And I did it because part of me thought, well, maybe it's going to be a hard transition. I'm the first in my family to graduate as a homeschooler. Maybe this will be tough. And it, it was not at all. And from everything I've ever spoken to most homeschoolers about, they've never had any issue, whether they went to a private college or a public college. They might have issues getting into the college. And that is part of what HSLDA does is we help homeschool alumni get into, get jobs or into schools or those type of things when there's questions about their diploma. But the actual process for me was super smooth and easy. I was going to say, my personal experience is that all the graduates I have dealt with, um, both in my personal family and in our cover school that have graduated, have had no issues whatsoever with it, college taking their transcripts and getting in. In fact, I would say the majority of colleges actually want homeschoolers and actively seek them out because they discovered homeschoolers are self-motivated. They're used to working on a time schedule. As my cousin put it, we learned really early that if you don't get math done, by the end of summer, you do it all summer, but you have a deadline and you're functioning in that autonomous sense of, I know what my deadline is and I know I'm responsible for meeting that. That's right. Yeah. And you're right. Um, so my father used to be a college professor. And at one point he used to always say to me, so when are you putting the kids in real school? But somewhere about seventh grade for my oldest one is switched to, I think you're doing the best that could be done for your kid. This is exactly what you should do. And then I found out a couple of years later he, as an engineering professor, realized the homeschool graduates were the ones they never had to follow up with. The homeschool graduates got their stuff in on time. The homeschool graduates came to them with questions prior to the deadline. They didn't ask for extensions unless there was something valid. And then when, when they went on the scholarship advisory board, he's like, they would pull all the homeschool graduates 
and immediately put them into the let's look at pile. And then they went through the other ones because they knew those homeschool graduates would earn their degree. Whereas the other ones they had to, they, they were unknown, they were unknown. So yeah, you're right. Colleges have turned their tides and said those homeschool graduates are great. Mm -hmm. So when you went to Bryan College, then you went where? What did you, I mean? I worked for Americans for Prosperity for a few years, paid off you know, undergrad loans, still knew I wanted to go to law school, and eventually went to the University of Wisconsin Law School. So Wisconsin's uh, home for me. I was homeschooled there. My, my college in Tennessee was my attempt to leave, and I joke, I keep failing. I went to Tennessee, came back. I went to Idaho for a season, came back. Colorado came back. I've studied abroad, come back. Uh, but now I'm currently in Virginia, so maybe I'm, I'm here That's to stay. But You're not going to come back. Law school was my attempt at going, okay, I handled private Christian college. Can I handle the large public university? And again, no problems whatsoever. Did you find any part of adjusting to the larger classrooms and stuff difficult other than there's just a lot of people in that room and that's not fun? It wasn't fun. I think the biggest change for me at the university was that I was spoiled at my private college that I was used to just dropping by my professor's office kind of whenever I felt like it, especially during office hours. But right. it was just I was on first name basis with them. And when there's 100 people in your class, you can't really drop by your professor's offices often or you stop by during office hours and it's sort of a why are you here? No. I teach five classes and that makes 500 students. You are a number. Yeah. It adds up fast. So that was just a tiny experience that I had that I think was also just the university's particular system. We didn't have a lot of TAs. I ended up actually TAing as a teacher's assistant my final year of law school. And that's when I went, okay, this is who you go to in the big university setting if you have. That was, so my girls went to a large state college and um, my first advice to them was in your first week of school, I don't care how big your class is. You go up front, introduce yourself to your professor. You shake their hand, look them in the eye, tell them who you are and what your major is so that when you go back to ask a question or ask for something later, they have a face already recognizing you. That is great advice. I'm one of those people that sits in the front row. So that was the other thing. It turned out because I needed glasses. I just realized that my first year though. So uh, front row helps. Front row always helps. They know you and you can see the board. Yes. Yes. It's a win-win. <laughs> and often professors, because I was once an adjunct professor, I would not call the people in the front row because I knew they were paying attention. I always called on the people in the back row because I knew they had no clue what was going on. So <laughs> It's true. Did your know, daughters enjoy the big public college? Like, How was their experience? They did. They absolutely loved it. And what's funny is that they both have gotten married now. They both have married homeschool graduates as well. But they found a great church to be involved with. And then inside that group, they found other homeschoolers that they just navigated. It's amazing how homeschoolers navigate to each other. It's like we instinctively know, oh, they're a homeschooler. But yeah, they enjoyed it. They liked all the um, opportunities and when they wanted something. So like, I live in the South, so football's big here. You know, for you, it's probably basketball more than it's football. But um, we, they loved going to the games where, you know, there's 100,000 people there. And then they also loved where they could just hide just as much as they wanted to. So, I mean, you have both worlds mixed in the big campus. You just have to find a group. You have to find yourself a good group to be involved with. And so they have great friends. Their friends still come by the house and visit. So, and I think with being homeschooled, because you didn't have that peer pressure and that, oh, who's my group in high school and middle school and mm -hmm. all the toxic socialization that comes with it, 
it's a lot easier when you hit college to say, this is who I am, this is what I like, and I'm going to find a group based on that and not try and be fitting uh, whatever this particular group needs me to be in this moment. Right. At least that was my experience. Uh, a Christian at the big university, a conservative, and it really kind of bounced off me a lot of, I mean, granted I was in law school, I was a bit older than an undergrad going to a public college, but I knew who I was, what I believed and why, and that made it a lot easier when I was navigating those social situations. Right. I just look like you're a little more confident, but you start out feeling older because I think you homeschooled and you homeschoolers, and I tell them all the time, I said, there's no peer, like you said. We're used to, they get along with the adults, they get along with the little kids, they get along with those that are around them, and they're quick to identify those who can't yes. adjust. So they're like, ah, public school kids are great as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they adjust, but it might take them a little longer because they have been forced to be in groups with only their peers. Yes. And um, we've definitely seen that. I mean, people talk about socialization and homeschooling as the big enemy, but socialization is a two-way street. There's the socialization that happens peer-to-peer -peer and the socialization that, like you said, happens with people older and younger. And consistently, homeschoolers do so much better with the socialization older and younger. And that's who you interact with in the, in the real world. I can use that phrase. Like those are your right. bosses, your peers, your coworkers, and even your classmates in many, uh, too many ways once you get to college. And not that peer-to-peer -peer socialization isn't important, but I think that's something that comes naturally once you know how to interact with people of different types. And there might be an awkward stage in middle school or high school. I know I went through it, but I think that's everybody, regardless of where you go to school. Two so of us go to high school unscathed. Yeah, as I say, nobody goes unscathed, let me tell you. My kids, when we, we moved while two of my kids were in high school, one was in middle school. So we were new in the area. When we moved, we were the only homeschoolers at our church. So all of a sudden we're in a church that is primarily all high school, like the teachers are there, everybody involved with the school, administration, whatever, is part of our church, and we homeschool. So my kids would sit with a book in front of them and then say, nobody talks to me. And I'm like, you can't take a book anymore. You cannot take a book to church. You cannot go take, you know, you have to interact with them. And so that helped some, but they like to put up their wall, just like yeah. everybody else, their defense. Um, I heard a comedian, I don't know if it was a comedian or just a gentleman that I've talked to at a different conference or something. It's just, I remember it was a man that said it, so it's not my quote. He said, when I was in school, I got in trouble. My dad always got on to me for socializing too. I'm not sending you to school to be social. You're supposed to be there for academics. And he goes, he's the same man who now when I say I want to homeschool, it's like, what about socialization? So you're right. It's two ways. <laughs> Yeah, our our older generation, which is older than me, thinks mm -hmm. that that's how you learn. Whereas we're now learning that this is, you know, this is the norm. Um, yeah. So, are you finding? Here's a question for you. I have noticed the last four conventions I've gone to, we have a lot of second generation homeschoolers homeschooling. Is that changing how things look for you guys? I've definitely seen second generation homeschoolers. I would say that so the pandemic is kind of the big elephant in the room with any homeschooling conversation because you have the people who plan to homeschool anyway, often are second generation homeschoolers. Like you said, homeschoolers tend to find each other. My brother and his wife are both homeschool graduates and they have three kids now and their youngest. I just got a video of him practicing the alphabet. His mom's going to homeschool him and he's, uh, they're excited for that. 
So there's definitely that factor happening. And I think they're the ones who tend to most naturally realize, hey, I need to go to a homeschool conference. I need to be involved in my state group because they saw that model for them by their parents. And I think that is critical and crucial. And an element that many homeschoolers who are just coming to homeschooling often miss is they don't realize in this world of social media, how important that in person, maybe I shouldn't say they don't realize, but I just want to encourage them. They haven't experienced the in-person. Go to that homeschool conference and go meet the other homeschoolers and join your state group, go to the Capitol Day, find ways to connect outside of just online, because otherwise you're going to feel isolated and see everyone's perfect homeschool worlds that just don't exist as when you're in person. So that's kind of the side pitch for go to homeschool conferences and such, join your state groups and your local co-ops and whatnot. Uh, but the other side of homeschooling that has really taken off that we've seen is minority homeschooling. During the pandemic, the numbers just skyrocketed and have stayed really high. So we're seeing a lot of first-generation Hispanic homeschoolers, Black homeschoolers, Asian homeschoolers. They Their numbers spiked and fell a bit more than the other two types. Uh, but especially with Hispanic homeschoolers, the stories I'm hearing sound a lot like what you went through with your father-in-law, what I went through as the homeschool child, my parents really went through with their family, that right. sense of what are you doing? You're gonna ruin your kid's life. Can they even get into college? What's going on? And it's that initial hurdle that a lot of uh, more traditional homeschool families went through a generation ago. Right, so I mean, what we are finding is that they walk in our booth. So Sunlight's there and we're, <laughs> a lot of our curriculum looks like the same curriculum that Amy used as she was in school with changes and updates, um, all for the good. But they walk in going, oh, we have all these books. This is great. I know all this. And so it is fun to talk to them. Um, and it's still hard. I mean, they feel like they know what it is, too. I mean, and this is slightly, they have not been in the parent role as the homeschooler. They've been in the kid role. Um, I was thankful for one family last weekend. She's like, I grew up homeschooled. I, we use sunlight. I've seen all these books but I have no idea what it's like to be the mom. Tell me how to do this. And so that's what we were there for. So we could put our hands on it and show her what it was like. You're right. In person is great. And I would go ahead. I said, one thing I love about sunlight is how you break down the classes and scheduling. Cause one thing a lot of states require some kind of paperwork where you're, even if you're not turning it in, you're just tracking how many hours you're teaching your subjects or whatever. And sunlight makes it so easy. I know that's my mom did in Wisconsin because there was, an hours requirement and she just had us record 30 minutes of bible did you know an right. hour of math did whatever it might be and it was all right there part of built into our curriculum and there's no extra scheduling work on her which she loved yeah that's i kentucky has hours versus i now live in alabama so it's just whatever our cover school requires in attendance mm-hmm. and i'm like if as long as we cover the whole 36 weeks we have our attendance mark we're good <clears throat> um so our cover school actually is a little less than the full 180 days, but it's still, that's what they require. So that's what we have to step up and do. Um, were you guys involved in co-ops growing up? A little bit, more my younger siblings. So we moved in within Wisconsin when I was younger. So when I was, you know, that six to nine, heavily involved, we were in a city, lots of opportunities. And then once we got a little older, we moved more to the suburbs. And so our experience was more, my brother did sports. He did football and baseball and all the activities he can get involved with. And then the younger two got involved more with co-ops as we, people continue to homeschool and expand and grow and right. more opportunities there. But so we how many? Debate and Generation Joshua for civics and government and you know, local sports teams. And there's so many extracurricular activities for home, homeschool kids. It's amazing. Yeah. 
I said, actually, at this point in the life, it seems like staying home to homeschool is harder than just yes. than it ever was before. So, I mean, we've had robotics clubs and dramas and you could be on the road every day going somewhere to do something. Um, and you need to learn to trim it down to what is important for your family. Otherwise, you will burn out with all the things that are available. Very quickly. Um, and we were always involved in a co-op. But I started that as a my first homeschooling. I was like, I have to find a co-op. And my idea was to find the co-op so I could be with the moms. Yeah. So I could learn from moms who had been homeschooling for years versus I wasn't worried what they were teaching my kindergartner because I was teaching at home. I didn't care if they finger painted all day. I was learning more sitting in the nursery with the baby with all the moms who had homeschooled for 10, 12 years. So that's my, I'm always encouraging moms, find a group of moms. If nothing else, find a group of moms that you can get together with to encourage yourself. Yes. So it's suddenly, so ha go ahead. It's so important because it's really hard to homeschool. There's no getting around it. There are going to be days you're crying in the shower because your kid refuses to learn to read. Yeah. And <laughs> moms can come around you and say, it's okay. They go through that stage. You will get through it too. That, that's huge. So Sunlight has a community. We have a, an app that I feel is just huge. There's about 3,000 moms on it that's that awesome. we can encourage them. Some never post anything. Some are posting all the time, and that's okay. That's just like life. We have those of us who sit in a four of you at a coffee table. One will not talk, and one will do all the talking, and the others just chime in. And that is exactly life, the dynamics. And I think I probably came across as overly dismissive of social media earlier. I don't mean to do that because I think that's one of the huge changes since when I was even growing up homeschooling. And one of the huge advantages is that you get to have the opportunity to interact with moms from across the country and hear, how does homeschooling work for you? What kind of way do you do it? What's this work? What tips and tricks do you have? Teach me your ways. What are tips and tricks? No, I mean, but being only online, <clears throat> being only online for mom is not good for the kids. So you're yeah. right. And we don't really want, I mean, as a mom, I would not want my kid online all the time. I want yeah. them to go and play. I want them to have friends. I want them to do all the things. So um, sending them outside and just, I mean, back in the day, moms used to like send you outside and say, well, when they turn the street lights on, come home. I okay. can't do that anymore, but well, nice. it depends on where you live. I could do it, I think, in my neighborhood a little bit, just because we are, we are, we live out. Like, I have cows behind my house. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people to play with, nor are my kids wanting to go out and play anymore. Mm -hmm. So, my kids are grown and moving out. So, yep. Amy, so what is your most favorite part of HSLDA, mm -hmm. working for HSLDA? That's really hard. Uh, I think the answer has to be, Oh man, there's so many things I could pick. I just love to get a chance to talk with moms who are, and, and not that I love that they're going through stressful situations, but who are in that situation where they're going, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what I'm supposed to file. I've got this letter in the mail. Should I be worried about it? And to just give them a peace of mind and say, no, you don't need to worry about that. Or, you know, this seems a little fishy. Let me take over from here. Uh, let me call the school district or write this letter or help you navigate this so that they can focus on what they want to do, which is educating our child. Nobody starts homeschooling because they want to fight the school district. Uh, they do it because they want to be able to actually, you know, give the best education possible for their child. And so when I'm able to help them do that and make them more effective and less anxious about the paperwork side, that's it. 
one of my favorite feelings. That I can imagine would be the fun part. I think moms that are want to homeschool, they want to want to bring their kids home because God directed them to be homeschooling. All right, Amy. So we got through your law school. What actually got you to HSLDA? Yes. Do you have a story? <laughs> so I went to law school, thought I was going to do regulatory law in Madison, Wisconsin, like that, which I was interning, focused on. And then like so many, COVID hit. It was 2020 when I graduated and the funding dried up for my job. And the same day that kind of realized I was going to be jobless for a while and I was going, okay, God, you brought me here since I was six years old. Now what? A homeschool mom forwarded me the job for HSLDA and they wanted you know, someone who was fluent Spanish, which I'm not, and had three to five years relevant experience and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, well, the worst they can say is no. So I applied and got the first few interviews. And to be honest, I thought I did terrible. Uh, like I was in the middle of a thunderstorm, so my Zoom went out and then I had called them on the phone and I thought, okay, God, well, that was fun. What a good interview experience. But they hired me anyway. And I moved to Virginia in the pandemic. And I'm so grateful. Like I still pinch myself some days when I'm walking down these halls that God and his timing just made everything work out. Because I in law school and college never would have imagined that this is where I would end up uh, or that I get to do this as my job. Like it's wonderful that I get to help moms every day, just like my mom uh, and dads too. Parents, homeschool graduates just do what they love doing, which is educating their kids. So you're one of the old crogies now. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So you also said you use sunlight. What is your favorite part of sunlight? Ooh, definitely it's the literature of it. So my mom, when she started homeschooling in the 90s, will tell you that homeschooling was very much very Christian. Every alphabet was A's for Adam, you know, all right. have sinned, those had verses, or it was more of the hippie style, loose homeschooling. And she just wanted something that was going to instill a love of learning. I mean, she wanted to give us faith. She wanted to make sure that that was integral to it. But she wanted us to feel like we just enjoyed being and learning for its own sake and not just to take a test or right. some of the other aspects that were coming out of public schools or private schools. And so she loved it because it gave us literature. I loved it because it taught me to love reading. And I was a huge bookworm. I was the one who was always getting in trouble when the sunlight books would arrive because I would read ahead and then be told, no, you have to wait till the school starts to do those things. Oh, um, you were one of those kids. I was definitely one of those kids and rereading them. My legal assistant, Owen, found out that I was doing this and he said, oh, we use sunlight. And I guess his older sister was the same way where she would go and steal all the books, which caused trouble for him then because when it was his turn to do the, re do the readings, he would find, he couldn't find the book. She had it stuffed in her room somewhere and that was me as well. But it also was great for people like my brother, who is not a bookworm, was not naturally inclined towards reading. He was the kid who wanted to be outside climbing trees and running around because he got through, call or through high school thought, oh, I'm not a reader, I'm not like my sister, started taking trade classes. and like, oh, I read a lot. I am actually very well read. And it was a huge confidence boost for him because he realized that all this time he thought, well, I'm not Amy or our other sister's on. I'm not on. I don't love just reading. But because of sunlight and because it just instilled in him that you learn that history can be exciting and fun and all of this is interconnected, he had read a lot and had a great, stronger foundation than a lot of his peers. So he's now a pastor, so I think it worked out for him, too. Uh, that, that he reads a lot now, too. So, yeah. Of my four kids, my, my top three were avid readers, loved all the books and stuff. The fourth one liked the idea of all the books, and he read almost all of them, but it was always a battle. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, you know, you're not my academic out of comparing to the others. 
he is not the academic one. He did great. He passed all his classes. He's gone farther in math than most of the, most kids in our local area. But he doesn't have a passion to sit down and do school, you know, quote unquote schoolwork. He wants to be hands on and doing something. So he's still taking a year figuring it out. We think we know where he's going within the next six months. He has a plan. We'll see if that happens. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But like you said, my oldest two, they shared the same. Back then we called them cores. Now it'd be the same HBL. And um, when we got to high school, when they read on their own versus me reading aloud, they would start hiding the book from each other. <laughs> the one could read it faster than the other one. So I ended up having to buy a second set of all the readers just so that I didn't have to have a fight every week on who, where was the book? Or they would hide it and they get where they hid it. So like your, like your brother was like, well, she had it and it's gone now. And we ended up finding them all. So some of them I have doubles, some I have triples of. And yeah, I still have all those books and I get to share them with people periodically. But they're like, oh, that's a lot of books to be handing out. I'm like, oh, I have doubles. It's okay. <laughs> And they're definitely my favorites now. I mean, when I'm at their store and I see this on my book, it's on my book, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to buy that. So I actually have like four copies of The Witch of Blackbird Con, and my housemates will sometimes be a little confused. Like, you know, do you need that? I'm like, yes, every copy, because I will read through it. I already have one tattered copy, and the others are just for me. I, was gonna say, I love that book. I love that book. And I know some people look at like, oh, yeah, books about witches. And we're like, it's yeah. a title of a book it is not about witches we do the same thing we find this the sunlight books and we'll pick them out just because you want to rescue them i mean if someone gave them away at a thrift store oh no we got to keep those yes exactly and my kids when they come home oftentimes i will catch them going through the shelves pulling their books that they liked and they'll read that you know because they're visiting or the grandkids are here or whatever and they they will go through the books and look and read while they're just sitting around so and it's yeah. like you were saying how homeschoolers can find each other there's something to be said for books like yeah i love that book or because i won't say every book we love to be able to to rail on a book everyone had a common experience with that one book and i won't name names yeah but be that will come up and we'll be like oh did you read that one i had my mom forced me to read that and it's an immediate bond of we read these are in books and not homeschoolers or even non-sunlight kids will look at you like what are you talking about like you don't know the trauma we, we, which it wasn't really but that was you know just a binding and experience well so and part of that though we read these different books i mean and not every book is going to be a heart-wrenching bring you to tears oh i love it book and guess what life not every moment is a gut-wrenching bring you to tears moment sometimes you have to power through and you realize on the back end, oh, I learned a lot by powering through and getting through that point. I don't want to have to repeat it, you know. But you learn a lot by seeing the different perspectives or reading the different kinds. But there is somebody out there that loves those books. Yes. It may not be us. But <laughs> where one or two of us will be like that book, and the other like, it's one of my favorites. Like, and why? you're like, why? Have a conversation about it. <laughs> Tell me the reasons why I should love it. Maybe I should go back and reread it again. <laughs> so, it's like a giant book club for all of us who are in the sunlight club. That's right. We we should have a um, all badges that we get to wear, like our secret badge, book club, sunlight book club. Yeah. Even so, when I was being homeschooled, they were cores. Now, there were a couple of cores that we couldn't fit into my high school 
because I had such a, a heavy literature. I mean, by the time my, my transcript came out, I think I had a lot of history, a lot of literature. But I took all those books that were in course I wasn't going to read, and I added them to my to-read list. And I have slowly over the years picked them up and read them. And some I see are still on the Sunlight catalog. Some are not anymore. But right. I'm always like, oh, this was definitely a Sunlight book. This was good. This is, why, this is why it was on the list. Yeah, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she went back and she read the all the books in Brett Lit. And her husband, who was also homeschooled, was like, you guys had these books in high school? That's a high school course? And I, he goes, these are college course. And I'm like, yeah, but this is Sunlight. Welcome to Sunlight. So, yes. So, yeah, they read them together. They took their, like their um, evening, like most people go and they'll finally, the day's done and you go and you sit and watch a sitcom or something. And then you're like, your mind kind of turn off. They will yeah. just read a chapter back and forth with each other at night. That's so. a really good memory. And whether it's as an adult or even as kids, that was one of my dad involved in homeschooling is he did a lot of the read-alouds. And I think back on those times with a lot of fondness. So that's when I learned to love reading because it wasn't just modeled. It was all my siblings gathered around and his dad read out loud to us. I can remember, I even worked at a camp where in the evenings, if we didn't have campers, the president of the camp or the owner of the camp, he would bring us all in at night and read us Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, that's a great one. And so all summer long, we're like, one more chapter, one more. I mean, we're all college age. One more chapter, one more chapter. But there was a lot there that were not homeschooled. I was not homeschooled, mm-hmm. but they homeschooled. So they were modeling what they knew. So, yes, it's yeah. really special. Well, Amy, I really appreciate your time. Is there, if you were to give any mom that you, like, you've talked to all these moms around, especially in your 10 states, but I know that you go beyond the 10 states. And I'm sure there's like a common thing you wish every mom knew as they start homeschooling. What would that be? I would say, honestly, just like take a deep breath because there are going to be days when you think you are doing the wrong thing. Um, But that voice is a lie. You are doing the best thing for your kid uh, because you love your kid and you know what they need. And so parents are the best educators because they've known their child since they were born. They taught them to walk to talk to be potty trained you can teach them to read to do math to do higher to do languages to uh, become a functioning adult in society and i'm so grateful that my parents homeschooled me my siblings are all very grateful and we've gone different paths my sister actually was an early elementary ed teacher to go to public schools and when i asked her why she said because i had a great education and i know not all kids get that opportunity and i think that's the common theme i hear from a lot of homeschoolers You'll see in the news, especially recently, a lot of you know, oh, homeschoolers rejecting their background, their experience with it. Uh, but that's not, I would say, the vast, vast majority of us. The vast majority of us look back and say, you know, there were rough days, things maybe we wish had been done differently. Uh, but for the most part, we wouldn't change that. We were homeschooled. That's yeah, I, think, right I think I know what you were talking about, what we've seen in the news recently. But I want to point out those parents of those families they thought they were doing the absolute best for their kids. And so their parents still loved their kids. They thought they were doing the best thing for them, regardless of the outcome. Mm -hmm. So mamas, you are still follow God, follow God directly and, you know, make him the center of your family. Yes. So, well, Amy, thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you for having me. Sounds good. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I, like I said, love sunlight, and I'm really excited to see what you all continue to do as your curriculum just gets better and better. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Do you have an idea for a podcast topic? 
Or do you want to chat with Sunlight on an upcoming episode? Email us at connections at sunlight.com.